Let's build Resist Radio for all our women, LGBTQ, our dreamers, progressives. We're a movement of many millions, unafraid of enlightenment and truth. Go to resistradio.org and be a Resist Builder by helping in any way you're able. Donate and disrupt at resistradio.org. Preventing truth decay. Truth decay. Resist Radio. Next. Well, evidently in the pre-Christian Roman Empire, it was possible for men to marry each other, but it was always problematic because marriage at that time was designed to be a, a way to produce legitimate children and ensure the smooth transfer of property from one generation to the next. Resist Radio. Radio for the rest of us. Harris with you, your new best friend, coming to you live from New York City tonight versus Marilyn Monroe's former apartment in West Hollywood, California. Yes, here on a little fun, frolic, mayhem, and merriment. In fact, dry humped the leg of POTUS last Monday. We'll tell you more about that in just a moment. Uh, we're going to have a lot of interesting fun today. I happen to be sitting right next to... Sitting next to me is an Olympic gold medal champion, and I'm talking about Ionis Melisanidis, a voice you've heard before, who became the youngest Olympic champion in the history of men's gymnastics. The first one, by the way, in a hundred years for Greece. Plus, the f- can you see the excitement? No, but you can hear it. Plus, the first Greek gymnast, male or female, to medal at the European and World Championships ever. When I say medal, I don't mean like meddling in. I mean receive a medal for Well, thank you very much for the invitation. By the way, we're going to be taking a look at what the Greeks are also known for, because we have a former priest who was fired from being a priest by the church, by the Orthodox Church, because he has the definitive information that same-sex marriage used to be not only okay, but there were rites and rituals for it. That is until somebody wanted to assume even greater power. Uh Uh-oh! Boy, if that isn't going to stir the pot of fun. Uh, and, And we'll kind of get into why the Greeks are really okay with all of that, and how for 4,000 years, people, uh, consenting adults, do what they do. Resistradio.org. In terms of Greece, uh, by the way, two citizens from the Chios Island and, and Lesbos and um, Susan Sarandon are nominee for the Nobel Prize. Well, we shouldn't link Lesbos and Sarandon. People think Lesbos is lesbian. It's not a lesbian well, island, is it? A, somebody that, uh, a citizen from yes. Lesbos Island uh-huh. is lesbian. <gasps> but <Yeah. laughs> well, well. Congruency. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the main rule uh, um, of my parents when I started gymnastics at the age of eight, eight um, when uh, they met my coach, they say, you can squeeze him. Uh-huh. Uh, Eight hours, ten hours training yeah. in uh, every day in two or three different sessions, as long as his grades in the school, high school and uh, primary school must be very high. So I was that was the only rule that my parents um, uh, say to uh, request from my from my coach that I have to continue be very good student in school. And I'm very thankful and grateful yes. to my parents so uh, um, uh, <laughs> for that. Well, uh, I, I'm going to uh, yeah. just announce something yeah. wonderful that you're doing in the next, in about two weeks from now, you're going to be one of the very four last chosen runners to carry the Olympic torch in the ancient stadium where the first modern Olympic Games took place in 1896. 
Wowie, huh? Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy and really proud about it. Um, I, I have done it back in 2004 yeah. uh, during the opening ceremony at the Athens Olympic Games. I was one of the very last uh, torch uh, bearers carrying the Olympic flag in my country mm-hmm. at the opening ceremony. And um, two years ago, for the Sochi Olympics, I lighting the, uh, the 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 Olympic flame, the Temple of Acropolis, the symbol of the Western civilization. Right. So this time is going to be at the Panathinaikum Stadium, where the ent- the modern Olympics back in eighteen, the first modern Olympics yeah. back in eighteen ninety six took place, and I- I'm just. I mean, I'm thrilled. I mean, it's it's. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be in two weeks from now, and after the torch relay that will take place like about a week, I think seven days. Yeah. Then the flame will fly to Rio de Janeiro, and then the torch relay will start there to Rio de Janeiro. So I'm looking forward for that. It's one of the highest honors that uh, the International Olympic Academy. Um, Asked me to 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 deliver. Right, Ionis Melisanidis, our guest here on the Smart Show, part of Go Harrison. He's the torchbearer running the Olympic flame in the stadium. Also, a uh, Olympic gold medal champion, um, youngest champion in the history of all men's gymnastics. First one in a hundred years for Greece. Uh, has streets named after him. Uh, highest civil distinctions of the Greek Republic. Was given gold medallion by the Greek Parliament. The gold gold apple by New York City Hall. Uh, city Cities of Athens and Atlanta and Cancun in Mexico, the Losaniki in Greece have named him Citizen of Honor, uh, considered one of the hundred most important people of the 21st century, according to Status Magazine, happened to be the youngest on the list. So we've got a super smart one here who's offering some excellent enlightenment and glad to have you here. And uh, let's talk about uh, a wonderful can announcement. I, can I have a yes. small parenthesis? Yes, well, yes, I'm parenthetically from, speaking. I'm from Thessaloniki. Yes, and it's like you know Los Angeles, New York. There is always mm-hmm. fighting between Athens and uh, uh, Macedonians, Thessaloniki. So Thessaloniki was the sister of Alexander the Great, and because I know that here the, the, you guys, the Americans, they you really uh, adore and respect Alexander the Great. So um, I grew up in the uh, in the capital of uh, Macedonia, which of course. Uh, is Greek, and uh, my city has the name of the sister of Alexander uh, the Great. Which is a a great uh, soft segue into the next guest coming up in just about 10 minutes. Uh, Alexander the Great notoriously uh, carried his boyfriend with him as he conquered half the planet, didn't he? Um, Also had a wife. Well... I know it means nothing to you, are, but it's kind of a big deal for people, us. We are people, and everybody yes. can do whatever he wants to uh-huh. do. I mean, we can't judge. I mean, whatever we want to do in our personal life, as long as it is, isn't a choice uh, from an adult to another adult, that's your personal choice. Point. Nothing more and nothing less. And by the way, I highly recommend the movie uh, the, uh, the Alexander the Great, but uh, that my very good friend, the uh, the Oscar winner composer Vangelis, uh. wrote the music for that movie. So, oh, nice. Yeah, nice. I highly recommend it. So let's break some good news here. Um, many Olympic athletes simply retire and they might do a few endorsements here or there or maybe get a sex change after 30 years. Um but not a whole lot of them jump off the high dive again into the incredibly competitive, 
difficult, brutal, and ruthless world of competition. Obviously, if you're listening to what I'm saying, you're getting a little hint of what we're about to talk about. There is the reality of what you have to do to be who you are, which I think is also a metaphor for anyone who's following his dream. You have to take it seriously to get there. That's the only way, and it's the one way. I mean, discipline, determination, and you have to, uh, I mean, to target your goal and to execute, it's a duty, and you have to execute it. And the only way is with uh, um, hard work um, and discipline, and you, of course, you have to enjoy uh, the process. And many times, the, this journey is not an easy journey, but the journey to Ithaca, uh, like Odysseus, you know, he was going to Ithaca Island, that's a very symbolic and metaphor. Um, it's, it's not easy, but it's beautiful because you, um, y- there are so many uh, experiences that you, through this journey, that you, you will have in your life. And you can apply all these experiences and all these tools in any other field that you might follow uh, after your um, career as an athlete. Um, but some athletes, we always have a passion with what we, uh, we were doing. And a comeback might mean you never give up. <laughs> Wait a minute. A comeback? <laughs> after 20 years? Uh-oh. Well, 1996, 2016, um, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, 20 years yes. uh, since the Olympics in, here in this country in Atlanta. Where another president, Bill Clinton, he was, sat and watched you. Watched he, you win. Yeah, he was present at the Georgia Dome yes. with his uh, daughter, yes. uh, Chelsea. Um, so I'm thinking uh, seriously. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, in four weeks from now, it's the uh, national trials, the national championship in uh, uh, in Greece, mm-hmm. in Thessaloniki, the ancient capital uh, of Greece, of uh, Macedonia, and uh, and in in at the, at the national training center that um, um, named Ioannis Melissonidis. So the Greek Federation. Uh, they they are willing to um, honor me and my coach, Mr. Athanasios Kapnidis, is the man that I owe everything, my 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 tutor, my 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 coach. He's he, I owe everything to my parents, of course, and to my coach. Um, so they want to give me an award and for a lifetime award, yeah, or, yeah. I don't know, something like that. Um, and then I say, well, guys, I'm I'm not into receiving awards. I'm into winning. Awards. Yeah. I'm into winning medals. So what I'm thinking seriously, and I hope everything will be okay, is to make my comeback at the national trials. And this is the first time that I I, I, I say that publicly. Yeah. Um, and um, compete on the vault. And who knows if I will make the finals? Everything. Will be possible could be possible. Once that you're in the finals, you might be on the medals, and you know you, you might gain also a gold medal. So if I will do so, uh, I want to um, dedicate uh, this medal to the uh, International Special uh, Olympic Committee. Mm-hmm. So with this way, I mean Greece is the birthplace of the Olympics, and United States is the birthplace of the Special Olympics. So with this way, I want to uh, bridge this countries yes. based on the Olympic values and uh, uh, spread a double message that Greece never give up because a comeback means never give up. Yeah. Um, nothing is impossible and uh, we must never give up supporting and helping the special uh, Olympian athletes. 
Um, so in four, in two weeks from now is the tor- the uh, the uh, I'm gonna carry the torch. The torch. Run the torch. And then the week after, uh, a week and a half after, is the uh, national championship. So let's cross our fingers and. We will see. Yeah. I mean, at least I will. I, I really enjoy the process. Right. And uh, you know, gymnastics is a very difficult sport. It's, uh, it's, yeah. I mean, a lot of hours of training, even uh, just for one apparatus or two apparatus. Um, so I'm, I, I, I really, I'm really enjoy the process, and I will be there. And I, I'm, I guess that I, maybe I'm the only Olympian uh, or Olympic champion that. Uh, decided to make his comeback 20 years uh, after so i'm still crazy enough and I love young it. enough to make it happen i love it you know i, I think about uh, gymnastics and how i mean what a pressure cooker that is i mean it's hard enough for any of us to get in out of a car without breaking our fingers and for you to do like double reverse backflips upside down, you know, somersaulting off the ceiling, bouncing off your pinky, ricocheting off the wall. Um, I can't wait. Are we going to have pictures of this or be able to follow this process? Well, I'm sure that the uh, national broadcast channel will, um, uh, or the sport channels yeah. in Greece, they will uh, uh, show the, uh, the the competition and the the press, the, the national press of Greece, they will um, provide all these, you know, pictures and articles. Yes. And yeah, I'm 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 looking forward. And besides, now I'm thinking that besides the special Olympic athletes, yeah. it might also, I mean, dedicated also to these uh, uh, refugees. Something uh, you know. Sure. Because they both do this unstoppable effort of you know uh, of fighting. Yes. For for their dreams, for their lives. So nothing special, but it's. It's something that, I like it. that symbolically I can I, I can do for and it affects um, millions humans. of people, millions of people. Three minutes ago that weren't on the table, now they are. So once again, the Olympic torch lights everybody. You can write that down. It is not copyrighted. You're inspires free to recite. It inspires everyone. Yes. Um, and one final question as we let you go: um, Is it true that the original Olympics were done naked? Well, back there in ancient Greece, yes, yeah. Um, I mean, wrestling, I mean, running, I mean, track and field, um, yes. Well, uh, and based on to, um, to admire and this, the, 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 the human body, that's uh-huh. why, I mean, all these beautiful um, nude sculptures are mostly, you know, they were Olympian athletes that right. they posed with these great sculptures and, you know, and the main uh, reason, uh, if I remember well, and I'm pretty much sure, is to respect and admire what a human body can um, uh, can do and what a human body can show. And that's why when there is a nude body, you can see all these little details of the muscles. And I have a really high respect to the uh, Olympian athletes, not only because, I mean, there's all the, I mean, we are, we are, Good-looking guys. Yes, I think yes, so. we are good-looking guys. I think in, most of us agree in, in terms of uh, um, of, of of the body shape. But what counts above all for me is that um, all those uh, athletes there are so much concentrate and into what they have to deliver uh, their duty for to represent their country that. Um, that beauty that uh, can be observed by the audience or the TV viewers. 
they they are not into them. They are so much concentrated into what they have to execute. Right. That and that make them these athletes, um, male or female, even more beautiful. Uh, and I think this is something that related back to the ancient uh, Greece, um, the, 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 the innocent beauty mm-hmm. that can reflect and inspire the, the audience. I love it. Well, I want to thank you so much. Uh, coming up in just a second, we are going to talk about ancient, not ancient Greece, but kind of close, ancient Christianity and how same-sex marriage was normal then. We're going to be talking to a man who was a former priest who's done extraordinary research um, through institutions like Yale and other places and has written the seminal book, uh, and I'm pronouncing it the correct way, seminal, not seminal, although that's interesting, or seminary, or any variation of that, on how this works and why, and maybe the first time you've ever heard this, and it will dispel a lot of the mythologies and official uh, uh, information we got from Scalia and others at Scrotus, I mean SCOTUS, Uh, so we're going to make that very clear. We've been talking right, go ahead. Recently in Greece, uh, like about, I think, two or three months ago, the new government, they passed a law um, uh, about the civil unions of yes. the say of, of 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 gay couples, and based on the European Court of Human Rights, uh, civil unions must be open to the uh, uh, gay couples. And I want to make the statement that this is a choice, and I mark it, and I remarket again, is a choice between two adults based on civil rights, not gay rights, based on civil rights slash human rights. This is very, very important. A choice from two adults. Bravo, my friend. Ionis Metasinidis became the youngest Olympic champion in the history of men's gymnastics. First one in 100 years for Greece. Plus the first Greek gymnast, male or female, ever to medal at the European and World Championships, ever. Ionis Metasinidis was also the torchbearer running with the Olympic flame at the stadium at the open, opening ceremony of Athens in 2004 in front of a billion people. There are streets named after him. Status Magazine named him one of the 100 most important people of the 21st century. Certainly the youngest on that list, has received the Golden Cross of Honor, one of the highest civil distinctions of the Greek Republic, Gold Medallion by the Greek Parliament, Gold Apple by New York City Hall, uh, cities of Athens, Atlanta, Cancun, Thessaloniki, and Greece, all have named him Citizen of Honor, and the National Training Center of Gymnastics, plus two streets in Greece, are named after him, and he just announced here and only here that in uh, about a month, he's going to do his first comeback, well, his only comeback after 20 years winning the gold medal. I want to just give a shout-out to USA Printing in West Hollywood, California. USA Printing is offering our listeners 10% off their website prices and also huge savings on all the products on their website. They, by the way, were the ones that printed up my business cards, which I handed out at the White House, slapped them in the hands of several hand-picked Marines, (laughs) <laughs> they made those beautiful co- yes that yeah, that's Shall the one yep 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 our olympic uh, champion is making hand signals here uh they print all your brochures your catalogs your posters your newsletters your banners all get this wholesale prices you could check out their website at usa printing trade one word usa printing trade.com use the coupon code radio Clever, huh? Use the coupon code RADIO and get 10% off. That's USAPrintingTrade.com. 
Radio.com. Harris with you. Hang on. More to come. Resist Radio. Truly independent and sometimes codependent. Harris with you. 45 minutes past the hour. Justice Anton Scalia. As you know, I was just in Washington. I was standing right in front of the Supreme Court building, me and about 200 cops. It was exciting. Not really. Uh, but the Anton Scalia, as you know, uh, decided to assume room temperature, um, much to the uh, grim um, depression of some people on the right. Other people seemed a little less inclined to be depressed. Uh, his position, missionary or doggy style, on same-sex marriage was never in question when he doubted that any society prior to the 20th century, that's the last century, that, uh, in other words, it was always forbidden. Men could never, 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 and never, 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 if you catch my drift. And that <laughs> Chief Justice agreed, never, never, quote, every definition prior to a dozen years ago defined marriage as a unity between man and a woman. That's what Justice Roberts said, and both justices, it turns out, were wrong. This is according to the man sitting right next to me, a man who's uncovered through his research, a man named Stephen Morris, and a new book called When Brothers Dwell in Unity, Byzantine Christianity, a lot of people think it's Byzantine still, and homosexuality. I'll try not to make jokes. I'll try not to have any levity whatsoever. Let me tell you who this man is. He's a former priest of the Orthodox Church who served as the Orthodox chaplain at Columbia University, also studied Byzantine and medieval history and theology at Yale and St. Vladimir's Orthodox Theological Academy. He's unearthed a trove of liturgical evidence to solidly back his contention that, far from forbidding man-to-man relationships, Byzantine Christianity, that is to say early Christianity, even had rights akin to marriage to sanctify uh, what we now call same-sex relationships. Sanctify as in, and have a nice day and have a great life. Good luck and good work. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mr. Morris was forced then to resign from active parish ministry when he came out 20 years ago and says, quote, they'd be very surprised to find out, as I did, the actual historical practices of the church. And that's what we're going to learn about in the next couple of minutes. He's an independent scholar who lives here in New York City. He studied Byzantine and medieval history and theology at Yale and St. Vladimir's Orthodox Theological Academy, even written on uh, patristic preaching and exegesis, as well as medieval and Byzantine hagiography. Say that ten times quickly. (laughs) Even figure out what the hell it could mean. I don't know. Let's say hi to Stephen Morris, and welcome to The Smart Show. Hello. Thank you so very much. So, shocking. I mean, I could hear the the sound effects, the explosions, the Twitter is lighting up like crazy here. What? Early Christianity had rites and rituals sanctifying and saying okie doke to same-sex marriages? Surprise, surprise, uh, they did. (laughs) um, What evidently happened was that a service developed called Adolfo Poya, literally brother-making, which in the first uh, stages of that relationship, the historical development of that relationship in the 7th and 8th century was a brotherhood between monks for mutual support in prayer and Bible study. And then in the 9th and 10th century, it spread to secular laymen who used it as a networking business kind of relationship. And then in the 11th, 12th, and 13th century, it seems to have become primarily uh, a way uh, 
to sanctify a sexual relationship between two men. And so the, it wasn't called marriage, but it functioned like marriage in every way that we would recognize. And so I, I can see uh, a handful of Southern Baptists right now, maybe more than a handful, <laughs> going out of their minds listening right now. They can't believe it. First of all, they're not really sure what Byzantine Christianity is. Right. A lot of people have that uh, quandary in the United yeah. States. Um, when the Roman Empire uh, was developing across the Mediterranean world and into Western Europe and Eastern Europe, uh, the capital was Rome. Constantine the Great, the Emperor Constantine, the Emperor yeah. Constantine legalized Christianity in the year 313, and shortly after that built a new capital for the world at Constantinople in what's now Turkey on the eastern shore of the Mediterranean. And he moved the capital of the world from Rome to New Rome. And the church, as it had developed both in the Middle East and then across the Mediterranean basin, uh, spoke uh, Greek and Latin, um, but there was always a certain amount of linguistic and cultural tension between those two um, camps, as it were, although they were able to maintain one church. But then when Constantine moved the capital, uh, there was another layer of political tension that was added to the mix. And the, the gradual breaking apart of the one church into uh, the Latin-speaking church in the West, the what's now called the Catholic Church, and the Greek-speaking church in the Eastern Mediterranean, which is now the Orthodox Church, was a process rather than one event. And it started around the 800s and was a pretty much accomplished by the year 1204 when the crusading knights from Western Europe sacked Constantinople and stole its, the treasures and sent them back to uh, Western Europe so that by that point it had definitively become two separate churches. Stephen Morris is the author of Back When Men Could Marry, When Brothers Dwell in Unity, The Surprising, the surprising History of the Orthodox Christian Church. Uh, he's a former priest of the Orthodox Church, served as a chaplain at Columbia University, and has studied this uh, through uh, theology at Yale and St. Vladimir's Orthodox Theological Academy, and is demonstrating and does uh, brilliantly through this fabulous tome, which is should be mandatory reading for everybody who's been trained, as I was growing, growing up Episcopalian, whatever that is, green golf pants, <laughs> jumping on trampolines, and sugar cookies after church, um, that this has always been forbidden. It has always been forbidden. And and yet, in the Catholic Church, Episcopalian is, is minus Mary and a lot of other business, um, but in the in the Catholic Church, priests are not allowed to get married. Still today, I, I don't believe they are. That's true. Uh, in the Orthodox Church, married men can be priests. Mm -hmm. uh, the the rule is that you have to be married before you can be ordained. But once you're ordained, you can't then marry after that. You and now, have your life now in order. was the reason practical? Let's just use the Wells Fargo filter on this. Is the point of not being able to get married is because maybe you're going to like leave the the fortune of the church to your son who could care less and run off to another country with a lot of golden statues. That's possible. That's certainly one thread of it. Um, there seems to there's a. a the fast, the practice of fasting before communion mm -hmm. um, was something that's common to both Greek and Latin-speaking uh, churches, and 
that involved that originally that also included an abstinence from sex the night before communion. Uh, in the Orthodox Church, it's standard to only have uh, the Eucharistic liturgy on Sundays and feast days. In the West, it became the practice to have Mass every day. If you're having Mass every day and you're supposed to abstain from sex the night before, it becomes impossible. Ever to have sex. Ever to ever have sex. So Clever. It, it means it, to be married is pointless <clears throat> in, yeah. in, a, in a Western Well, a lot of context. people think it's pointless today. <laughs> Except That's gay another people. Issue. <laughs> We're all dying to get married. Let me get married. To whom? I don't care. Anybody. It's legal now. Uh, we're talking right now to Stephen Morris, former priest of the Orthodox Church, has written a book, Back When Men Could Marry, uh, When Brothers Dwell in Unity, The Surprising History of the Orthodox Christian Church. So I'm looking at a bunch of tweets here, at Go Harrison, at Go Harrison, and uh, it became, as we believe it to be, completely illegal according to biblical scripture. When did it suddenly become the big no-no when it was not a no-no before then? Well, evidently, in the pre-Christian Roman Empire, it was possible for men to marry each other, but it was always problematic because marriage at that time was designed to be a, a way to produce legitimate children and ensure the smooth transfer of property from one generation to the next, which obviously wasn't going to happen if the couple was uh, same sex. So laws developed to ensure that the property from one lover would revert back to his biological family when he died rather than pass into the family of his uh, of the lover who still survived. Theodosius I, uh, the Byzantine emperor in the late 300s, uh, made it illegal for men to marry, but it wouldn't go away. It came back through Adelpha Poya. Mm -hmm. And we know that uh, it was uh, fairly common, that no one seemed to object except for a couple uh, archbishops of Constantinople who complained that uh, no one paid attention to their complaints. Uh, but all... <laughs> or their hard-ons, <laughs> probably more likely. And, but again, uh, a set of laws developed in order to make sure that the property um, reverted back to the, the original biological family. Uh, that still, in Byzantine times, marriage was primarily a way to ensure the smooth transfer of power and property and authority from one generation to the next. And, uh, and in order to ensure that a man's property reverted to his biological family, laws developed around Adelpha Poya to ensure that. Marriage was not an emotional relationship uh, at that point. Marriage only became an emotional relationship between a man and wife in the last couple hundred years. Yeah, after you get rid of the dowries, you have to actually exactly. like the person if you're going to put up with it. Right, and we also forget, you know, it was only in the last couple hundred years that sex became kind of a private thing. Until very recently, a family would all sleep together, parents and children, and it was a very earthy kind of reality that people were used to the, to the sights and sounds of sex. And it was only when it became something that was done privately uh, alone in the dark that it, this whole mythology built up around it, that it became so dark and scary and forbidden. Uh, yeah, and we know from the days of, of King Henry, for instance, in England, um, I mean, they all would go in and, and take a crap together. Yes. There were big slats in the floor, and they would all just 
pull it up and squat and and drop a heavy spike right through the wood. We forget how public life was then. Yeah. In fact, there are there are, are there's canon law that says if a priest masturbates, he should he should be suspended from serving the Eucharist. And the first question a modern person reading that would say is, well, who would know? He's not, what priest is going to call the bishop and say you need to send a substitute to my parish for the next couple months because of what happened yesterday? And well, it was, <laughs> maybe they checked his bed sheets and he had a nocturnal emission. Well, it was because everybody there was public baths. Yeah. Nobody had a shower in their own apartment. And so it, it would be known if someone was a habitual masturbator at the public baths. And it was not the, the secret private act that it be, has become. Wow. I, I'm fascinated by this. I, I wish we had more time. I, I'm, I want to re-invite you, well, thank you. Um, to do part two of this. Because I'd love to. It's, I mean, I've got a thousand tweets here, and I just have like one minute probably <laughs> to ask one more thing but um uh it, it so just to be clear around 300 a.d 300 years after christ right about 380 so during the time of christ men could we're saying that basically during the time of christ it was okay for men to in in the in Upper class Roman society, it was yeah. uh, it was acceptable. Oh, so the one percent could do it because they were the only people. <laughs> they were the only people that got married. Period. Oh. Uh, lower class people were not allowed to the, the legal structure of marriage, so they would cohabit, but they wouldn't marry. Uh, and so, the same way, two men could cohabit without the legal support of marriage. Uh, because it, it, marriage involved a whole set of um, yeah right right uh, social, social social mores yeah. disciplines and and a lot of exchange of um, and a, yeah power and property right and prestige yes wow fascinating I think we've run out of time thank you so much I want to thank you Stephen Morris former priest of the Orthodox Church who served as an Orthodox chaplain at Columbia University also studied Byzantine and medieval history and theology at Yale and Saint Vladimir's Orthodox Theological Academy. He has unearthed a trove of liturgical evidence to solidly back this contention, what we've been discussing, that uh, man-to-man relationships, <gasps> not forbidden in Byzantine Christianity, early Christianity, even 300 years after uh, Jesus Christ, that is to say early Christianity, even had rights akin to marriage to sanctify them, what we would now call same-sex relationships, which is now okay here in the U.S. of A., at least until, you know, five the, years the, from now. Yeah, the cross our fingers. Enjoy it. Um, and we can get your book. Uh, At Amazon. How oh, <laughs> do you like that? <laughs> e-book and, and paperback. E-book and paperback. So uh, definitely check it out. You can go to my website, goharrison.com. You can go to prn.fm. You'll see a nice profile on him. I want to thank you for joining us. We will thank pick you this so up much. again. I want to thank Ionis Medicinidis, my uh my my twin my twin brother Olympiad uh, superstar. Thank you for coming in and listening to us talk about the Byzantines and not throwing up. I know there's a, a long icky history between <laughs> certain countries there. And I want to thank everybody else. We will look forward to seeing you next week. Harrison, with you. Have a great week. Resist Radio. Wake up. Resistradio.org.